0: Politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. I am the rambling madman. I have this
1: feeling, man, because you know there's a handful of people actually run everything. That's true. It's provable. It's not a fuck. I'm not a conspiracy nut. so sensitive, the
0: whole country turned into bitch-ass niggas. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Ramblings of a Madman. This is your host, Mark Ciccarella, a.k.a. the Rambling Madman, coming at you again with another episode. We're on episode 9. Uh, it's been a great journey so far, guys, and um, I'm, I'm loving each and every week putting together these episodes. I'm recording this intro on a whim here. I, I, I saw something this morning and got pretty fired up. I saw an article from the New York Times it was an opinion piece saying basically saying that we should stop using critical thinking when it comes to deciphering information and going down quote unquote rabbit holes and that made me fucking furious I saw that and they they went on to say that because like well you for example Bobby Kennedy Jr. is against vaccines and, and uh, when people read this they shouldn't even waste their time going through through the information they should just automatically know that it's wrong And that fucking made me fired up. The mainstream media, a.k.a. the New York Times, doesn't want you to fucking think for yourself. Doesn't want you to critically think. Doesn't want you to use common sense and and context clues and and to to determine the truth. And that just made me fired up. I just got back from the gym. I'm a little pumped up, a little swole right now. And I wanted to just get this intro recorded while I'm fired up and while it's fresh on my mind. I want to thank everybody for... Continuing to uh, support the show and listen and tune in. I've had a tremendous amount of support from lots of people uh, on my website uh, over the past week. And I want to shout shout out to all the new listeners of the podcast. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate your support and uh, your listening. Um, you guys are, are making the right steps in, the, in, in terms of moving America and moving the world in the direction of the freedom of thought and the freedom of ideas. Don't forget, if you feel as though the show is doing a very good job and you and you want to support the show, you can always feel free to donate to my Patreon account. You can find the Patreon account on my website, ramblingmadman.org. And there's a link that says support. There's a, a button in the top right-hand corner that says support me. You click on that, it'll take you to a page, and there's a link on the page for Patreon. Uh, same thing with the mobile website. Uh, the Patreon link is also listed in the description of the episode wherever you're listening to it. Wherever you, wherever you may be listening to it. Uh, I also want to remind people that if you can do so, please listen to the show through my site. I, I don't like to rely on big tech and um, I don't like to rely on big tech to be a home for my podcast or be the, the, the most reliable home for my podcast because as we know with um, the way the world is, censorship is a, is a very real thing. My podcast can be taken down on any of these big tech sites like Spotify. Apple Podcasts, YouTube, you name it. This is also going to be on iHeartRadio. But if you could be so kind as to, to listen to the show through ramblingmadman that would that would make my day. I mean, you don't have to. I, I i love every. I love the fact that people are listening to it wherever you want to listen to it. Listen to it. But if it, it and I understand that the, the website can be a bit wonky at sometimes with, in terms of the format for the media player. But so, but if you can deal with it, I'd I prefer. I, I greatly appreciate it if you listen to it through my website. If not, keep listening through Spotify. We're going to keep on keeping on. So yeah, I, I, that, that article by the New York Times had me uh, really fired up. Um, I, I don't understand how people don't wake up to this shit. The New York Times, one of the biggest media organizations in the world, is telling you to stop critically thinking. Don't think for yourself. Leave it to us to think for you. That's what they're saying, in a nutshell. It's not word for word verbatim, but that's what they're saying. They did literally say to, to not critically think when it comes to certain things. To let them deci- decipher it. Leave it to the experts. You know, the scientists and the and the p- politicians that are that are experts on this, the ones that are paid buku dollars to give you certain information. Meanwhile, everybody who is a journalist or, or a scientist or a politician that's not paid off is condemned in the media, is is blackballed, is shot, is killed is fired from their positions in media organizations. Like this this show, the show that you're listening to right now is a form of is a is a, it's a form of journalism. It's citizen journalism. It's it's journalism that's not produced by any organization. It's produced by me myself and I and produced by you guys when you donate. It's it's funded by you and me. Produced by me for the people that's the way journalism should be. But no. Journalism today is basically a handful of billionaires form all these companies. Because that's true. A handful of billionaires really own all the media organizations. It's like, it's, I think it's like four or five people own like every single mainstream media organization. Yeah, so the people who own Fox News are all in cahoots with the people who own MSNBC. So those liberals out there and those staunch conservatives and staunch r- Republicans, you're all being played by the same people. And that just had me fired up. Had me really, uh, really had me fucking go in there. And I, I just hated <laughs> waking up this morning. Uh, first thing, as soon as I woke up, that's what I saw. It got me fired up. And it, it really, like, you it, know, I hate, I hate to keep bringing Epstein up. I wish I didn't have to bring Epstein up. He was a horrible person. But it really makes you realize what has been going on here. It really makes you realize that ever since Epstein came out, ever since the truth about what what was happening at Epstein and Epstein's Island and all that shit about the politicians and Bill Clinton, ever since that shit happened, the world went to shit. And I I already talked about this in my Pizzagate episode, which was removed by YouTube, by the way. Ever since that shit happened, the world has went to shit. Coronavirus, economic shutdowns, uh, protests police brutality going uh, viral if you think for any second that video of george floyd wasn't planned out to happen i'm not saying it didn't happen i'm not saying george floyd didn't die i'm not saying the police wasn't a piece the, the police officer wasn't a piece of shit but if you think that it wasn't set up to happen like that in order to cause all the national outrage in the media and to distract us you got to open your eyes you got to open your eyes because like that article in, from the new york times that i'm talking about like that article said it's not worth your time to go down rabbit holes and conspiracy theory rabbit holes. It's not worth your time to, to to look into them. That's what they say. You know why they don't want you to look into those conspiracy theory rabbit holes? Because at the end of the day, because I spent I spent many hours looking through these rabbit holes. Quote unquote rabbit holes. The the ones the YouTube videos and the in the Reddit posts and the and the dark web posts and shit like that. Cause when you really fucking go through when you really fucking go get down to it it all comes back to epstein not that epstein was running things but the whole epstein ordeal it all comes back to the fact that the people who really run this world the people who really control the way we live and the control our media and the control our politics and not i'm not talking about trump and biden don't get me wrong this is not about trump and biden trump and biden are fucking puppets that's all they are i'm talking about the person that's holding the strings of the puppets the Marionettes. You know everybody knows what a marionette is. I'm talking about the person that's operating the marionettes. The person that pulls the strings that, that tells Trump and tells Biden what they have to do. That's what it all comes back to. All those rabbit holes all come back to those people that were buying and selling kids for sex from Epstein. That were sacrificing children. Spirit cooking children. If you don't know what spirit cooking is, don't don't look it up on Google. Look it up on uh DuckDuckGo. Because Google will give you some bullshit answer. Spirit cooking is when people take children. They sacrifice the child. And then they eat the child. And they cook it with like semen and blood and breast milk and stuff like that. Like occult black magic ritualistic shit. Spirit cooking, which was mentioned in the Hillary Clinton emails that were leaked. That's what spirit cooking is. That's what all this rabbit hole shit is about. They don't want you to know that that shit goes on. That the people who really control this world are sacrificing children in the name of Moloch and, and Baal and and satanic entities. And this isn't this isn't a biblical thing either. Because I'm not a Christian, I'm not a Catholic. You can't deny the fact that the people who really run this world are up to some really evil shit. And that's what always kept me up at night. Like even when I tried to turn my eyes and I, and turn my eyes Turn turn the other cheek to this shit and just let it go, and then be like, "There's nothing I can do." But then the thing that always drew me back to conspiracy theories into the world and to exposing the lies was the fact that it's it, there really is evil behind it. There really are people out there sacrificing children to satanic entities, and those people are all in control of the, the world that we live in. It's no it's no, it's no surprise it's, no, it's no coincidence that you know the Queen of England is like a million fucking years old, and she's like never gonna die, and she just keeps fucking. Like, going on, and, and, and they have all these fucking pedophile rings, and Prince Andrew was was involved in buying sex slaves from Jeffrey Epstein. It's no coincidence that all this shit is happening, that the people who, who are sticking around forever are all part of this shit, and they're all sacrificing children and, and eating them and, and draining their adrenochrome, the adrenochrome which resides in your penile gland. The pineal gland is in your third eye in your in your in your head, right in between, right in your forehead. It's no coincidence that any of this shit is happening. So I was fired up today. I was really fired up, and I'm great. I'm glad I was really fired up to get a fresh intro in for you guys. I have a, a really good episode coming up. I'm going to be talking with a guy named the Odd Man Out. The Odd Man Out has a podcast called the Oddcast, which I think is fucking awesome. And we share a lot of the same views in terms of what's going on in the world politically, and how we're both how both sides are being played by the same p- puppet master. And um, I'm gonna have him get on, I'm gonna have him get on and talk about his story and his you know how he got into believing you know alternative quote unquote alternative truths. And I'm gonna ask him to, to explain his search for the truth and, and his and his passions for for helping the world and exposing the lies. Um, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I'm going to stop here and we're going to cut right to the episode, right? We're going to cut right to the conversation between the odd man out and myself. And uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for coming on the show. It means a lot to me as a very small uh, podcaster. Absolutely, man. I'm happy to do it. Thanks for inviting me. So I guess let's just, let's just get into it. I mean, so I, I kind of wanted to start out and ask you, you know, how you how you got to like your your uh your way of thinking about you know the world and what goes on and what goes on behind the scenes cuz i know from listening to your show you talk about how you you had never gotten on the trump train and yeah that's actually something that i found like really interesting because like i know for a lot of people like like myself we saw the appeal in trump back when he was first running cuz he was you know for he said he was for the people and he was america first and he was he was I, I remember like listening to his uh, inauguration address and he was saying uh, no longer will we surrender to the false songs of globalism and like i was like oh my god yeah. i can't believe we have a guy like this in there and then you know we know what happened after that but just just tell talk a little bit about what your um your political background or, or how you got to to where you're at today
1: sure yeah so um, i really I got into politics literally just a few months before 9-11. I never had any, because I'm pretty old, man. I'm I'm 45. So I never really had any interest really in politics. I'd been in a a rock band for like 10 years. Well, not quite 10 at that time, but like seven. And we actually named our band, We Are the Conspiracy, because it was around the time Clinton, the whole Whitewater conspiracy, and we were hearing a lot about that we were looking for names and we actually, I think we got the name out of the Bible where it says something like, uh, do not call conspiracy everything the world calls conspiracy. And we're like, that's our name. But anyway, uh, I'd started listening to talk radio a little bit. Like, um, I heard that guy, Michael Savage on radio late one night and I was just listening to him. Normally I would just turn something like that off. And uh, for some reason, whatever he was saying, uh, it kind of jived with me and I started listening to him. And then I I swore I would never listen to Rush Limbaugh because uh, my stepdad <laughs> used to watch the short-lived TV show of Rush Limbaugh and I hated it and thought it was stupid. So I started listening to Rush and then that just kind of made me a fan of talk radio. So I started listening to talk radio a lot. And 9-11 happened during that time. And of course, I bought into the whole thing and, you know, thought that uh, the Muslims, you know, were were coming to get us, (laughs) take us over and everything. You know, I bought that hook, line and sinker and uh, I I watched news, you know, constantly, 24 hours a day for months or not 24 hours a day, but, you know, every time I could get a chance. And uh, at first I didn't realize what the difference was between CNN and Fox, MSNBC. But I realized pretty quickly that the CNNs and, and MSNBCs hated George W. Bush, but at the time, you know, I was like a fan, and, and not to you know draw this out too long, but I was very conservative for several years, and um, mm-hmm. and I still have conservative leanings in certain areas, but I started uh, looking into things, and I think I ran into the book. Um, propaganda by Edward Bernays. It's a famous book. It, really, the he's known as the father of propaganda. And I didn't know it at the time, but he had worked for the Wilson administration with another guy named George Creel. And Wilson actually formed this agency called the Committee on Public Information because at the time the uh, American people didn't want any part of a war. And he formed that agency to trick the American people into going for our part in World War One, And so they would make flyers and do radio ads and, and, and uh, newspaper ads and stuff like that. And they talked people into going for World War One. I. So I, w- I read that book, Propaganda, and he talks in there. I want to say it was, it was written in the 1920s, I believe. I want to say 28, okay. but it could, be, could have been a couple of years before that. And he describes in there perfectly at the time how the government had basically already taken over uh, and, and was propagandizing the people and he doesn't come straight out and say that but mm-hmm. every other word but that he basically says and so uh, and he's talking about the future and how people would have to uh societies would have to be propagandized to to get along and to make it work and all that stuff And Anyway, that got me kind of, it woke me up, man. It told me, wow, something's going on here because this was written a long time ago. And can we um, can we believe everything we read and everything we see in the news? And, you know, I started having doubts. And uh, I guess a couple of years later, I stumbled upon this uh, podcast, No Agenda, No Agenda Show. And they would dive deep into like official documents, declassified documents, and they would talk about... Allegiances that politicians had behind the scenes and different things like that. And it really woke me up. And uh, by the time Romney and Obama were running against each other, I was totally, uh, I don't want to say woke because that's way overused, but I, I, I was on to politics being a big game, you know, mm-hmm. and it, I knew that we were propagandized constantly. And I started seeing that there wasn't a whole lot of difference between the parties. You know, they kept a few. Social issues uh, that they would stick out to keep the people divided, but at the top, it seemed like a lot of these guys belonged to a lot of the same groups, like the you know the Council on Foreign Relations, exactly, is the big yeah. one, but uh, other groups like uh, you know Aspen Institute and uh, Bilderberg and stuff like that. So really, I know that's a long answer, but that's you know it was a slow process, and and by the time Trump came around, you know he had only he would already ran once or twice before and dropped mm-hmm. out early and I didn't take him serious at all. Um, and I noticed the people I was working with at the time were really starting to take him serious after that first debate. And I kind of liked Rand Paul, but I still wasn't even, I, I wasn't going to vote. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I could tell that people were really going for it. You <laughs> know, honestly, I just, I didn't believe that Trump was different mainly because, I had read that he had taken a $160 million loan from George Soros for Trump Tower. And that was one of the big, you know, like making my Spidey sense go off because we had just been 20 years on the the conservatives talking about how bad George Soros was. And then here's this guy that's taken a whole lot of money from him and Mm -hmm. people wouldn't even talk to me about it. So that's kind of started me to doubting the Trump train.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think people were um willingly ignorant of Trump. Yeah. And, and my, myself included. I, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit younger than you. I'm only 21. So oh, wow. I was in high okay. I was I was I was in high school when Trump ran in 2016. Sure. I was I was a junior and senior I was a senior when he got elected in high school. And okay. um So yeah, I think a lot of people were, you know, willingly ignorant. You know, they wanted so bad to have a, a president that would do the things that he said he was going to do while he was running. Sure. And then, um, yes, I I think that a lot of people were willingly ignorant and and just ignored a lot of the the red flags and hoped so that he was going to be something that he wasn't.
1: Oh yeah. And I don't, I don't blame anyone at all. You know, Mm. I have a lot of friends who are even older than me and they're still on the Trump train. And it's like, um, you know, I, I I do blame some of the people who got so carried away with Q and are still trying to stick up for that. But, um, but no, I don't blame anyone because, you know, people had hope and, and, and they, you know, let's face it, the Republicans had the open slot, you know, they had the, uh, power vacuum and the Democrats didn't. And so Trump moved in to fill that vacuum because nobody else really was standing out. I mean, Ted Cruz kind of, but, you know, he was kind of lame, uh, as far as, you know, he didn't have that much charisma or anything like he's kind of unlikable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and Rand Paul fluttered pretty quickly. I mean, it was just, you know, he didn't have much of a chance at all. So yeah, I don't blame people, man. And, and, and Trump fired people up and this is what I kind of say to people now. I say, yeah, he, people fell for him because he was different, but different isn't always good or even better.
0: Maybe. Yeah. He
1: was better than Obama in certain ways, but, um, you know, he was never a conservative to be to begin with. Not like when I first got into conservatism, it was much more conservative than it is now.
0: Exactly, and, yeah.
1: And, and so Trump wasn't a conservative, and I didn't disagree with all of his stances by any means, but he, I, I was, by that time that he started running, I was kind of a, I guess you'd say, kind of a, an anarchist, a right-leaning anarchist, because mm-hmm. I just was kind of like over everything. But I realized, well, he's not a libertarian either he's just got a few good ideas or at least he's saying the right things to certain people. But, you know, then he got in and he was already spending out of control before, you know, even COVID hit. And that was a red flag. And, you know, things like giving, you know, giving, um, Israel, you know, like a record amount of money. And
0: and that's, that's right there. That's what, um, what really turned me off of Trump is, is, he he said all that stuff about being america first and you know not surrendering to globalism anymore and and then the first thing he does when he gets in office is he pledges allegiance to israel and he it it, that just like really turned me off and and i was like yeah i I don't think this guy's our guy anymore Yeah.
1: yeah and it's like you know people uh and I understand Israel for religious purposes. I'm religious. But, mm-hmm. you know, I also understand that we don't trust our own government, government and we know that they are mostly corrupt or at least one side always thinks the other side's corrupt. So why would you not at least have some skepticism towards a foreign government? Mm-hmm. So people can't, you know, they can't separate. The Israeli government from the Israeli people, you know, they automatically think they're like this holy government, you know, and it's just yeah, true. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, like um, what else? So he was. Um, there's a couple other things that he did that pretty early on that uh, I was kind of raised red flags. Uh, oh, well, speaking of, you know, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he was with Diane Feinstein after one of the school shootings, and and he he was talking about taking the guns and mm-hmm. Mike Pence actually said something like, you know, I don't know, we can do this without stepping on the constitution, you know, and then the president actually spoke up and said, well, I think we can take the guns, take the guns first, and then we'll worry about due process later. And man, I just about shat the bed when I heard that. Yeah. I'm like, a, yeah, a Republicans saying that? And of course people say, well, he didn't mean it like that, but you know, I think anyone who who, who would have said that previously, even George W. Bush, I think that conservatives would have freaked out because conservatives were pretty, there were quite a few conservatives against George Bush thanks to InfoWars and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. things have changed a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they certainly have. Speaking of, InfoWars is what kind of got me into like, you know alternative thinking i I look back at him i look at infowars now and i don't necessarily like what alex jones has become yeah but but at at the time like when i was in high school and stuff it i'm not gonna lie it did play a a good role in like helping me see that there's a lot of shit going on that a lot of people aren't seeing and there's a lot of shit that's not being talked about and that's going on and so I, I I'm grateful for Alex Jones and Infowars, but and um yeah, but you're right at the same time like he's I, I don't understand why he's such a he's so like involved with Trump and like he's he's like pledges pledges allegiance to Trump like and that even like back when I was in high school and when Trump first got elected I I couldn't understand like. We're supposed to have caution here. We're supposed to be treading, treading with caution here, and the, and right. it just seemed like Alex Alex Jones has never had that caution. Like he, he was always all in on Trump, and I never understood that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. He's you know he brings out that kind of macho you know we're gonna kick ass attitude <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> and and that's cool and everything. But like you you know politics is politics is way more nuanced than just saying stuff like that. You know. And, and uh, it's so easy to fool the masses, you know, because when people are in a in, in a group, they're easily led anyway with, you know, the energy and, I don't know, the mo- the emotion and everything. But, yeah, you know, I, I learned a lot. I listen to Alex Jones some, too, and, and he Alex knows a lot of stuff. And oh, he, no he definitely knows a lot of stuff. Him. Yeah, he, he's like a Rolodex uh, of mm-hmm. hidden history. And another great thing that I don't think anybody could take away from him is... He had phenomenal guests on, you yeah. know, back in the day. All these whistleblowers and different important people who were saying important things that nobody had ever said on terrestrial radio before, mm-hmm. and uh, really bringing information to, to the forefront that other you know otherwise people would have never known. And uh, so I got to hand it to him too. And I personally feel like this is just my hunch. I could be totally wrong. But I kind of feel like after he um, got divorced, I feel like he probably lost a ton of money
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he realized that the the maga movement was a money maker.
0: And that, I kind of feel could like that definitely be it. Yeah.
1: I mean, I know it's a simple thing, but man, money really changes people, you know. Once yeah. you make uh, I've always heard once you make a lot of money then you will do anything to keep
0: it. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at one point Alex Jones he infiltrated Bohemian Grove. With, right and right with and then he and then he's like and then now it, it's just crazy that he was he infiltrated bohemian grove and now like the thing he's most known for is they're turning the frogs gay and, <laughs> and
1: like yeah yeah then, and he's funny i mean he's so funny man he says yeah, some of the funny stuff yeah. and i think he does a lot of that because he's built his character you know and of course he plays yeah, exactly. it up and it's fun it's fun to watch you know uh, another thing um that kind of put me off about Trump too was, um, he appointed Wilbur Ross. I forget the, uh, position he appointed him to, but Wilbur Ross was a 25 year Rothschild uh, agent and worked for one of their biggest banks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if that had been a Democrat, you know, the, the conservatives would have been going crazy. And so I think things like that and things like, uh, you know, he did appoint, I think about, a. 10, maybe a dozen council on foreign relations members. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, general McChrystal was a council member and then he replaced McChrystal with Bolton, who was like a horrible guy, you know,
0: mm-hmm. and, and
1: Bolton was actually, um, in PNAC, um, project for new American century. And they were that group that, uh, came out of the council on foreign relations. I think it was Rumsfeld there was a bunch of people, but Rumsfeld, Cheney, Condoleezza Rice, and um, oh, gosh, I forget, Elliot Abrams, who, who is another guy that Trump appointed, they were in this PNAC and they came up with this study before 9-11, just months before, saying that to get the money and the funding they needed to, uh, to bring the Department of Defense up to standards, uh, like techni- technically, uh, they mm-hmm. needed a new Pearl Harbor. You know, Pearl Harbor type. Yeah. Yeah. And then I
0: I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, uh, you know, he he appoints John Bolton. And um, as I said, um, I know Katie McFarlane was counsel on foreign relations. uh, Anthony Scaramucci. um, I don't know. I've got them all written down somewhere. But uh, yeah, with Bolton, I mean, he was one of the worst ones. And I just couldn't figure out why, you know, he would do that. And pe- you know, I would say something to people, especially like Q people, and they would be like, oh, you just don't understand the plan. And you know, I'm like, well, I understand that he's appointing people who are considered to be enemies to conservatism and libertarianism and, and the Constitution. You know, what else do I need to know?
0: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> one second here. Yeah, man. So what, what would you say was your smoking gun in terms of like seeing, seeing the bigger picture and and what's going on behind this behind what's going on behind the scenes?
1: Uh, just like you mean in terms of the Trump administration or altogether? Uh, Altogether. Um, I think that the cronyism, uh, really the, um, the, uh, honestly the council on foreign relations membership opened my eyes, um, you know, I was reading books like uh, None Dare Call It Conspiracy and um, uh, James Perloff's Shadows of Power. And I'll tell you another book that really opened my eyes was um, uh, The True Story of Bilderberg, uh, Daniel Estulin. Okay. Now, that book is fantastic. And it, it ties in the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations and Bilderberg, and so many of those guys have been in presidential administrations and it's both sides, you know, it's Democrats exactly. and Republicans. Yeah. So I think that was a big thing. And then also seeing a lot of the things that the um, the CIA and the FBI have done over the years. And and, and they're also connected to the council. Almost every uh, CIA director has been a council member. Um so I think those kind of things, man, because it, it it kind of is one big party at the top, you know. I mean, they have some differences, and there's some people I'm sure that don't get along. But mm-hmm. you either belong to that club or you don't, you know. And uh,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's always been one of the things I've said about Trump is people always like to say Trump's an outsider and Trump's he's he's not like the other the other politicians and. I just I just can never understand why people would would think that. I mean first of all his, his administration is made up of CFR members. And then on top of that like he's an elite billionaire from New York City. Right. And you don't get to be an elite billionaire. He was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. You don't get to be an elite billionaire. You don't get to be friends with Jeffrey Epstein by being an outsider. You have to be right, doing right. something. You have to be connected on the inside by doing s- something. I'm not saying you're involved with Epstein. He was involved in that, with Epstein. I'm not. I'm not making any accusations. I'm just saying, you don't get to where he was by being an outsider. And and a lot of people don't don't see that, and it really surprises me.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true, man. And you know, he's been around forever. And another thing mm-hmm. about Trump and and him winning was he already had the name recognition, and that's one of the exactly. hardest, biggest goals to overcome. Uh, you know, and that's if you believe presidents are elected. I don't know. Looking back and people tell me I'm crazy, but I've had a theory for for a long time now that perhaps he was selected or at least allowed to win because Wait, Trump. Yeah. And, yeah. And hear, hear me out because I know this sounds crazy, but because I believe being a conservative for a long time that you know, conservatives hated Hillary, there's no question. But it was almost love, hate relationship because you know, the Clintons have been around forever. And, and mm-hmm. so I think that they would have, if she had won, yeah, people would have hated it and they would have complained and this, that and the other. But you wouldn't have seen rioting in the streets. You probably wouldn't have seen, seen Antifa. You probably wouldn't have seen Q. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have seen, you know, all this crap, how the, you know, the Biden administration. Now they've got this big excuse because of the capital you know, the capital riot or whatever you want to call it insurrection which it really wasn't but they're using that as an excuse to basically i think try to eventually outlaw any dissent of what the you know the status quo wants yeah. to do you wouldn't have been able to do that and you also i think you would have had division but i don't think you would have had the division that you have now because trump was so good at it
0: you know <laughs> he was just Not so exactly good at- <laughs> that's actually one of the things like i i, I totally 100 percent believe is that he was selected, and his his role, he, he had a job to do, and his job was to get us to where we're at now. And yeah. um, and a lot of that, I I believe I, I don't know how you feel about this, and uh, maybe I can get your opinion on this. How, what do you think about Bernie Sanders and, and what happened in 2016? Because my personal opinion is that what happened in 2016 with them, you know, taking the nomination away from him and giving it to Hillary Clinton, I, th- I feel like they had a hunch... That if Bernie Sanders got that nomination for the Democratic Party, that it would have been almost too hard for them to say that Trump had won the election. Yeah. In other, in other words, I, I feel like the, the voter outcome and the turnout would have been so so much in favor of Bernie that they wouldn't have been able to just come out and say, uh, Trump won," and just handed yeah. to Trump. Meanwhile, Hillary was almost Hillary and Trump were almost hated equally. Uh, uh, it, enough to where you could believe like it was al- it was almost a 50-50 election and you could believe that it could have went one way or the other. But I, I just can't see it being had could I can't see that it could have been the same way had Bernie been given the chance to had the nomination.
1: That's a that's a good that's a good outlook there man because I hadn't really thought too much about that but that makes total sense. And, you know, even though Bernie wasn't exactly, he's not like an authentic socialist. I mean, he had a lot of socialist Mm -hmm. leanings. And, dude, we're seeing right now this Democratic Party is the biggest corporate party I've ever seen. I mean, any person on the left that tries to say the Republicans are big government, big corporation is Mm -hmm. ridiculous. I mean, they are. But, dude, Joe Biden is in bed with, I mean, look, the defense industry went for him. The pharmaceutical industry backed him. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then, of course, he's picked 20-some-odd Council on Foreign Relations members for his cabinet, and you look at the corporate members of the Council on Foreign Relations, it's Exxon, it's Bank of America, it's Citgo, it's uh, yeah. Facebook and Google, and every company that sucks, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you're onto something there. It would have swung the, the pendulum a little too far towards kind of beaten back some of the corporatism. And um, yeah, I don't think they wanted that at
0: all. Yeah, exactly. And and there's even been talk about, you know, um, the DNC using the, you know, the Dominion software. Everybody's talking about how the Dominion software was used against Trump in this election. And there's been talk about how the Dominion software was used against Bernie in 2016 to get to get him out of the uh, the conversation for getting the nom, and um, I, I I just it's just so crazy how how there's so many things that are connected here, and <clears throat> sorry and and that even now in 2020 or back in 2020, yeah. uh, you know the same thing that they did in fucking 2016 is what they did in 2020 in 2020 and you know bernie kind of really didn't say anything he he just yeah. kept his mouth shut right yeah cuz i think he he knew he knew that uh he knows what kind of beast system it
1: is man he knows like how cro- how the croniest thing works cuz he's been around it so many years you know so he he knows how it's just a bunch of corporatism and <laughs> you know it's like the mafia basically
0: exactly i mean i, I can't say I, I necessarily blame him because who who knows what happened back in 2016 i mean what he was told or oh yeah
1: and and
0: because i mean i, I mean i'm you know how how deep the corruption and, and the the evil deeds go with the people who who really run this this world and i i can't i can't say that if something did happen i can't say i blame him for not spilling the beans no matter what yeah. his politics may be <laughs> but right. um right but yeah.
1: yeah and you go back even further uh i can't, i think it was two the 2012 election maybe it was 2008 man i'm losing <laughs> i'm kind of losing track but it was the last time that ron paul ran and he was killing it he was mm-hmm. killing it and when he got to Iowa, which they say if you win Iowa, you, you've got a big chance of being the nominee. The, the, the media, CNN and Fox, even Fox was not even covering the fact that he was winning in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And he won that Iowa caucus. And the Republicans went in and changed some kind of uh, some kind of law with the elections and totally screwed his chances of winning up. And it barely got any press. And there's actually um, a documentary on it that tells all about it. And it actually shows, like, it goes to, like, footage at the caucus of him winning the caucus. And then it'll show the updates from the news. They don't even mention Ron Paul. And that's how bad it was. Mm -hmm. You know, they were all in cahoots, you know. Exactly. And, and again, I think it's the same reason. Because he would have gotten rid of a lot of the cronyism and corporatism, too. Because, you know, even though he's on the other side of Bernie, you know, real libertarians don't want the government involved with you know private business they want separation of corporations exactly. and states so yeah it's such a rigged game man it's you know and that's another reason I, I just can't see you know trump getting past every you know that whole system because i think that they can put whoever they want in
0: and make them win you know uh, exactly and and that's, that's what, one another thing I don't necessarily understand from, you know, Trump supporters. I work with, with a Trump supporter and he's a, he's a, um, he doesn't know he, he's a Q, he's a QAnon guy, but he is a QAnon guy. <laughs> like he'll, right. he'll, he doesn't necessarily know what QAnon is, but he, but he goes along with the QAnon theories. And, um, so anyway, I asked him, I'm like, so with all this el- shit that went on with the election, wh- it, what would you do if you know they said, "All right, we're just gonna redo the election and and we're gonna have a fair election this time"? Would you still go out and vote? And he's like, "Yeah, oh hell yeah, we go out and vote and and was, we gotta get out there and show show us, show them our numbers and and we gotta show them that that what they did was wrong." And I'm just thinking to myself, like, you just lost an election that was so blatantly rigged, and like, <laughs> and, and you and you you'd go out there and you'd give them the power again and just lose again because you want to show them who's boss, quote unquote, show them who's boss. I just, I just don't get that. It's like the odds are stacked against you and like you, you want to continue. In my opinion, what you do by going out and voting is you give them power. You're giving them the power to say, this is, this is who you can choose from. And you know, you can cast your vote and that's it. That's that's what you can do. That's your right as as a citizen, but it doesn't go any far further than that. And I, I think we could send a bigger message if if what if on election day in back in November if nobody went out to the polls, everybody was like fuck that, I'm not voting for either one of these assholes. We need to figure something else out. And nobody went out to the polls. I think that was send an even, even bigger message than if you know like everybody went out to the polls because it, it, yeah. this this election season was was the most dystopian thing i've ever seen in my life yeah. like it's especially with all the commercials and, and like the the advertisements that went in to you know trying to get people to get out there and vote like i've never seen anything like that before like i've never seen a message trying to be sent that hard and it's 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 really scary where we're at today
1: it really is, man. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, record number of, of money spent on the election. I forget the amount now, but it was unbelievable. It was in the billions. And, you know, you think about how I've, I've got a theory too that's like, and I don't know, I mean, I've argued with people about this, but I kind of feel like, at least in the modern times, but maybe, you know, maybe forever, but at least maybe in the last. 60, 80 years, I feel like the president is actually the divider in chief because I feel like they need to get somebody in there who's going to keep the people divided. You know, one side's Mm going to love him. The other side's going to hate him. They're going to keep the, it'll keep the populace, you know, kind of focused on whatever the president says. And he's fighting with the speaker of the house or a certain Senator or whatever. And, and, and they don't, pay attention to what's going on in the background. And of course, you know, they don't look into the deeper side of politics and they think that everything they hear on the, you know, on the news is, is all politics. You know, they have no idea about this other world. And, um, you know, I feel like that's the main job of a president and, you know, Obama was a divider. Trump was a divider and George Bush, you know, the things he did, he definitely divided the nation and, uh, you know, and Clinton was a divider too.
0: So it's like, yeah, I I'd, I'd agree with that. <laughs> I I really like that theory, and it I goes right that...
1: along. You know, it, it kind of goes right along with the Hegelian dialect. It's like problem, mm-hmm. reaction, solution. The president comes in, and he you know he's kind of a problem. He creates a problem for the for for the opposition, mm-hmm. and then they have to do something and react to it. And then you know next time comes around with the next president election, that's their so-called solution. And, and, and it depends on whether the, you know, the deep state and the elite want to take him out and put another president in or not. But it's kind of like he goes in and causes a problem. And that way, the deep state can kind of push the people however they want them to react, you know, everything accordingly.
0: Yeah, I I, I got to say, I, I really agree with that. Uh, n- maybe I, I don't know about eighty years but I'd say definitely definitely at least since Kennedy yeah. and um but yeah I think I'd say you're spot on spot on with that
1: yeah I mean and you know they have to have a divided public I mean it's all it's divide and conquer it's simple man mm-hmm. I, they've probably been doing this for thousands of years but you know if the people really start to dive into stuff like you and I would mm-hmm. you know can you imagine if All of a sudden tomorrow, you know, say, say 65% of people started looking into things deeply. I mean, people would be so outraged and appalled at all the things that have happened over, you know, modern history that it would just be unbelievable. But, you know, that's not going to happen because people, you know, they're going to stay focused on other things. And obviously Mm -hmm. you can't blame people for staying busy or or having hobbies because you can't, you know stay focused on this stuff all the time or you'll be like me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: I, it definitely it's it's definitely like you're in for a rude awakening once you dive into the this world and you and you like accept the fact that everything's just up to some sort of fuckery and it's it's like once you go in you can never go back like oh yeah yeah once you realize you know that once you realize the the strings that are pulled that are that are being attached to the marionettes and you see who's holding their strings. It's like, you can't go back. You can you, this, this, this is, this is who you are now. And, uh, and I, I, I feel like a lot of it has to do with the, the, well, in terms of like why people don't come to this way of thinking more often. And it, a lot of it has to do with comfortability and, yeah. um, people are just way too comfortable in their lives. And you can see it even now with COVID. I mean, how many times have you heard people say, oh, just wear the mask and get your COVID vaccine so it can all be over? And it's mm-hmm. not that they care about COVID and they're not, they're not scared of COVID. They just wanted to go back to being normal. Yeah. And it—and I, I just, in my, and when I hear that in my head, what I hear is like, what I think is, how can you say that it's going to go back to normal? I mean, it's yeah. been a year already. We've we've been doing this shit, this quarantine shit, and you just think it's going to go back to normal if I wear my mask and get my COVID vaccine? I mean, Fauci already said we're going to be wearing masks until 2022, right? And that, yeah. and and that's if people are getting vaccinated. And it, like it, the fact that people think this could go back to normal and are optimistic that we're going to get back to where we were just a year ago, it it. it boggles my mind especially when you take into consideration like all the things like they're trying to prevent you from getting on flights without you know having a vaccine passport you see in israel you can't buy food at grocery stores without having your vaccine showing them that you have a vaccine and i i just it's just fucking wild to me and especially since you can't they say they already say the vaccine doesn't stop transmission of the virus so I don't understand where the the whole thing with you can't get on a plane if you don't have your vaccine when the vaccine doesn't even stop the transmission anyway. So if you're in contact with the virus, you're going to spread it even if you had the the vaccine. It's just like so many things don't add up and people just like willingly eat it and just keep eating it and eating it.
1: (laughs) They do, man. And, And they've told us so many different things too. And it's like, you look at people who are not the least bit skeptical. They're believing every single thing. And I'm like, don't you at least find it weird that the, the CDC and everybody else has told us so many contradictory things, but you know, some people, it, you know, it's kind of like you're either a skeptic or you're not, you know, and mm-hmm. those people that are not, you cannot really do anything to make them become skeptics and let, you know, they'll just have to learn on their own if they ever do learn. And I, I know in, in my experiences too, that I talked to people over the years and I've had them tell me, Hey, you know I know the government's crooked, I know that all these things are going on, but I don't wanna know. I don't really wanna know and I'm like, well, you know, at least if you know and you're aware of some of this stuff, you can avoid some of it in your own life, but I think people just would rather you know bury their heads in the sand, kind of like you're saying, and just thinking that things will get comfortable again, you know for them
0: yeah <laughs> it's man we're we live in such dark times, it's like. <laughs> it's it's just so hard to think that a year ago, like things were so different and oh, yeah. things were shitty a year ago. Don't get me wrong, but things were so <laughs> different compared to, to where we're at now. And it's just. The, well, it,
1: another thing that, uh, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me earlier, but I think it was just a couple of weeks ago and agenda 21 was, uh, you know, the UN United Nations uh, yeah. agenda 21, that was 2021. That wasn't, Yeah. Yeah, They didn't just put that that in there. I mean, there was billions of dollars spent on agenda 21. Mm
0: -hmm. They've
1: been planning that even before they, they started implementing, trying to implement it. They'd been planning it for like 10 years. It is 2021. They're going for a world government. The green new deal is going to be part of it. And another thing going back to the council on foreign relations, they are celebrating 100 years. This year, they they started not in 1921, and so now it's 100 years of the council, and they're all about world government. That's why they, you know, were put together. So, I, th- I think these these global powers are at play,
0: and they're going for it. They it's, saw it's, their it's opportunity. Like the opportunity. <laughs> it's like the stars are aligning, like the, yeah, the dystopian stars. If yeah, it, yeah exactly. It, it, it's like it's like the perfect storm brewing up brewing up for them, and the, the, that is. Yeah fucking wild
1: yeah and you know and it's like they are coming out and talking about these public private partnerships and, and if you go back to event 21 you know the whole thing that was the exercise in uh in november the november before COVID hit the pandemic exercise which john hopkins was involved in gates was involved in fauci i believe fauci was involved in it and they talked in there about public private partnerships being the answer which is basically a fancy term for fascism. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at uh, the Rockefeller uh, lockstep program that was like, I think it was from 2010. And it was about a global pandemic and what could be done about it. And I, I read most of that thing. It was awful to read, But and they kept talking about public-private partnerships. And then uh, just last night, I'm reading this book about the Trilateral Commission, and this guy is a big new Brzezinski who was like, carter's one of his assistants uh i don't think he was secretary of state but he was something like that national security advisor or something like that mm-hmm. he was also an advisor to obama this guy wrote books like in 1969 he wrote a book called between two ages and he's a big globalist and he was talking about in there how he would have to build a new world order and you would see the public sector coming together with the private sector and so they have had this corporatism idea for a long time man, and and they're just, they're trying to seize on it, you know? And so you're seeing all these smaller businesses close. And of course, you know, the other monopolies are thriving. So I'm thinking, you know, they're, they're, they're getting us used to this universal basic income by giving people, you know, the, the $1,200 and different, you know, the money from the stimulus. And I don't, you know, I'm not, Complaining or saying people don't need help. I'm not saying that, but they're trying to get people used to the universal basic income or national basic. Uh, th- income They definitely are. They, yeah,
0: they, that's definitely what it is. And especially when you see, you know, like everybody's talking about how bad it is, you know, for for you know, people are losing jobs and, and because of the coronavirus, and you know, that people have no money. Put, but I, especially here in Pennsylvania, I'm I'm just outside of Philadelphia. Here in Pennsylvania, people are getting like crazy amounts of money on unemployment, like because yeah. of the coronavirus. There's bo- right. all kinds of bonuses and stuff that like, people are making more money on unemployment than a lot of people are ma- working forty hours a week, and yeah. it, it's <laughs> it it just drives drives me crazy that, that that happens. But and not to to rain on anybody's parade or say oh, you shouldn't have. It's just the fact that like people are getting so used to this. These handouts, yeah, and like, and like, the, you're the people are literally willing to sell their soul for you know, six hundred dollars here, twelve hundred dollars here, and like, I it's 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 just so wild to me. And yeah. you know, we're getting ready to get the fourteen hundred dollar check next, and like, it, you, you you sold your soul, you sold every you sold like your your life, your way of life to get you know, occasional checks of a thousand dollars. like, Yeah. And
1: to think that that is not going to come with a price, they're setting us up for the universal or national basic income. Mm -hmm. And when they get that, dude, you know, as well as I do, when when they get you on the they'll get you on government health care or whatever they call it, Mm -hmm. sort of like Obamacare, and then they'll get you on some kind of national basic income. And they'll have you dependent on them solely dependent on them for most things, most necessities. And then you'll probably only be able to spend their money at certain places that are in bed with their you know their crony corporatists like don't forget you're not
0: going to get any of this unless you have the vaccine exactly you'll have to have the
1: vaccine and you'll have to obey you're not going to be able to complain about any government policies or anything they're doing that you think is you know illegal or corrupt you're going to have to shut your mouth and if you want to have a decent, uh, you know, uh, credit score, it's going to be like sort of like the Chinese credit score system. Yeah,
0: like I know Charlie Robinson talks a lot about it on uh, his podcast, the social credit score. Yeah, um, aspect.
1: Yeah, I saw the. Uh, I think it was last month. I did a video about it. I was just kind of reading the article. So the International Monetary Fund did this study, and they're pretty heavy duty. Uh, they did this study to see if it would be a good idea to judge people's credit score based on their internet search history. And I'm like, are you kidding yeah. me? I mean, we're here, dude. They're, that, if they've got to study and they put it out in the press, that means they're really thinking about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> can Thanks. you imagine? I mean, nobody that does an alternative media podcast would be able to have any credit because we would have violated every freaking term, I'm sure. Yeah. Because they're going to make it so terrible, that you can't search up anything but something stupid, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's is great. that is a fucking wild case. Thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I hope that people will start to, you know. I mean, that's another thing that scared me, and you may be able to uh, relate to this too, man. Is my some of my conservative friends. Uh, they don't seem to be very skeptical, nothing like what I thought they would be it, with this whole COVID thing. It's like, I thought you at least would not buy into all this, and uh, and they, they were just keeping quiet. They're not saying anything about it, and it's
0: kind of weird, man. I didn't expect that. I, I, you know I actually haven't come across that. You know, I'm not going to say I haven't come across that. I have come across it, but not in the ways you would think. I know a lot of conservative people who are like very like they're do-gooders and stuff. They, they they do have some resistance to the masks and everything, but when it comes to like the vaccine and everything, they seem to be like right on board with it. Right. And, yeah. and like it, or like or maybe they're not right on board with it, but they're not really giving it any thought. They're just like, oh, this is something I got to do now, and and that's that's where it ends. And, and I it's so yeah, I can I can definitely see what you're saying there.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think people are, you know, you know, I know some older people, too. And people kind of are starting to get older. And it's like, yeah, I guess they're scared, you know, and I don't blame them. And, and, you know, honestly, because I I don't have cable and I don't ever very seldom ever watch the news. But Mm -hmm. like, a lot of people I know still watch the news all the time. And even though they say it's fake news, they're still subjected to it. And I think it scares the hell out of them. I and mean, they don't realize it. And if they would get yeah. away from it, you know, for even a week or two and realize how much propaganda is filling their, you know, it's filling their heads full of propaganda and fear. And that's you know, think, exactly what it's doing. Yeah, I think that they would uh, see things in a whole new light. But, uh, you know, they're not going to.
0: Yeah, I, I don't watch the news at all. I, except... You know, I go to the gym a lot, you know, at least five days a week. And in the cardio section, there's all the t- the TVs there. And every single TV is either set to, you know, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News. They have one TV that's set to a local news station. And then they might have, like, USA or, or TNT on one of the other screens or maybe <laughs> ESPN. But for the most part, it's, it's usually a CNN or MSNBC. And... I it drives me literally insane. Like every time I'm doing cardio and I look up at the screen in front of me and like, all you see is the coronavirus death ticker. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) like it it just drives me fucking insane. Like people just fall so easily for this. And they're making so much money off of, off of this, off of this fear that people have. And it, 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 it makes my blood boil. It really does, oh, yeah man. especially so... when they just ignore the like you know, you know about this the six percent stat from the CDC from a few months ago.
1: I probably heard it, but uh, refresh the, my memory.
0: Uh, so the CDC a few months ago, I think it was back in late August, they came out and said that six percent of the deaths of coronavirus are actually people who died from the virus. The virus killed them. And ninety-four percent of the deaths of the virus are people who died with the virus. So they're yeah, people who yeah. died, like you know, from car accidents, or maybe they were eight hundred pounds and had a heart attack, or maybe they were shot in the face, but they had coronavirus. So it's still added into that five hundred thousand death toll that we just got today. Yeah. So if so, like so, even if you like bump that up, like say the statistic went up. This, say the statistic went up for over the past few months since August say it went up to 10 percent that still means like f- we're at 50,000 deaths we're not at 500,000 deaths we're at 50,000 deaths if you bump the statistic up if it's even less than that if, we're, if we' if if we, um, if we don't adjust the statistic and and nobody seems to care about that statistic and I, I for the life of me I can't figure figure out why nobody cares about that statistic.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I forgot about that. I, yeah, I remember when uh, was Doctor Bird? Is that her last name? The lady that was coming out with uh, Trump and the in fact yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember her early on coming out and saying, "Well, we're counting every death as a COVID death if it, if the person has COVID." You know, she said that on the national news, and nobody, you know, it was talked about for a couple of weeks, but it was just kind of forgotten about because you know the like headlines kept changing and. And it's just like, I've never seen so much BS in my life over one, one thing. And like, like my wife's a nurse practitioner Mm -hmm. and two of our best friends are nurses and, uh, and I know a couple other people that work in the healthcare and it's like, you hear these stories like at my wife's hospital when the, the, uh, the patient count was up a few weeks ago. So they were actually admitting people to the hospital. If they had so much as a sore throat or a runny nose, if they tested positive for COVID, they might not be very ill. They might just have those mild symptoms, but they would qualify to be put in the hospital if they wanted to go in, and they also mm-hmm. qualify for some kind of plasma, something or other. I forget now. So it no wonder the you know that the counts were up. They were bringing people in who didn't even need to be in, and also. I talked to a couple of my nurse friends and they were saying, you know, they're keeping people much longer than they normally would, even if they're not very sick. Cause normally you go in the hospital, they're trying to get your ass out of there. I don't care yeah. if you've had your foot amputated, <laughs> exactly. you know, in a few hours, they're trying to get you out and get the next dude in, you know? So it, it was really, obviously they were getting money for that because there's no way they would keep people in the hospital longer than they needed them to.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then you go into the, uh, the PCR tests, you know, of course you, I'm sure you know about that. You know, it's like the, the inventor a Kerry Mullis. of the PCR test, he said it was only supposed to be spun a certain amount of times. And if you spin it too yeah, much, I, it'll say, save... I was
0: just talking to somebody about this earlier today.
1: Right, right. It's going to, the more you spin it, the more positives it's going to have. Mm-hmm. And who knows how many times they were spinning it. I heard one point, one report said 40 something and and supposedly now they're, they're uh, spending them less. So the counts are down less. So it's like, how do you even know how many of these people had it
0: It, exactly and i i I remember i forget which podcast i was listening to i think it might have been charlie robinson's podcast and he had a guest on the guest was talking about how the test the way the test is designed it's designed in a way so that so that like you might have like a a common cold but one but one of the factors of your common cold is going to set that test off and make it look like you have coronavirus and yeah. like, then these tests can be detecting any any number of like illnesses or, or you know just common colds or influenzas, and 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 they're designed to you know just go off as corcovin. That's that's uh crazy to me.
1: Yeah, and you know you think about the common cold. I mean, not the common cold. Excuse me, the flu. And I've not known one person who said they've tested positive for the flu. In fact, another one of my nurse friends. I've known this guy all, since I was five years old, one of my best friends in the world, and he was telling me that they're not even recommending tests for the flu anymore. If somebody comes in with flu-like symptoms, they just kept... yeah,
0: that's what people are talking about now. The flu has disappeared. Yeah, and, and, the, and the thing, like ninety percent of the, of the flu of the cases where we would be at normally in the year, like we're only at like ten percent. So like ninety percent of the flu disappeared. Right, and I
1: heard some local guy, you know, some bigwig on the radio here, somebody ask him about that, and he said, "Well, it's because people are wearing masks." Well, if that's the you know if that's the, the case, why is that not you know keeping the the COVID counts way down too? So, oh my God. of course, he would try to say that it was keeping the COVID counts down, but it, there is just so much BS, and you know now that they've pulled this crap off with all this fear mongering. You know, I was asking somebody the, the other day, I said, do you think that if the flu does magically come back, which, you know, it's, it's uh, they've been pushing that flu shot deal for years now. It's getting worse and worse. It's like you can practically get it at McDonald's. But like <laughs> if the flu does come back, do you think they're going to make people wear masks and do these lockdowns again? I mean, now that they know they can get away with them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just kind of crazy
0: to, to, it's, it's... to think about the power we've given them. It is. It, it, it's, and I'm going to say it right now, I don't, I don't believe we're ever going to get back. I mean, I, I guess that's, that's not very optimistically thinking, but I, I don't, I don't think we're going to get back to where we were even a year ago. And, no. and, uh, it, it's, it's kind of scary. I mean, to think that this is probably how life is from now on out. And, um. It's it's also a little bit scary to think about how if what's going to happen if, you know, people like you and I, like if we don't conform what's going to happen to us and what the choices we're going to be forced to have to make. Yeah. And absolutely. And it it, it's a whole new world out there, man. And it is, um, man. Brave new world. Yeah. It is. And I I think this is a good place to stop. And um I think you've been a tremendous guest for me and I wanna thank you again for, for um coming on my show. And, Absolutely. you know you know I'm, I'm such a small podcaster and like I had um, prepper nurse one on my channel a few a few weeks ago and like you guys are, are, and compared to me are, like are, are in my in my opinion big guys and uh, and um, it just it means a whole lot to me and and I really appreciate what you did and, and I want you, I, I mean I don't have near a, a big audience but why don't you go ahead and tell my audience where they can listen to your show and find your show and your content?
1: Absolutely, man. Well, you know, we are a small community, but we need to support each other, dude. Because mm-hmm. with the censorship, they're you know they're making it harder and harder for people to get content out there, and they exactly. only want that corporate-approved content. Go, I call it GovCorp because they work together so much. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I appreciate it, and I'll come back on again, man, in the future. Just to yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, so the easiest place for people to get in touch with with me if they uh, want to just talk to me or see the things that I do. It's a uh, underscore the odd man out on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, if you want to, in my Instagram profile, it's got a, a link tree to all my links and to the mm-hmm. to pod, to the podcast, which is called the Oddcast featuring the odd man out. And that's on all your platforms pretty much. But if you can't find it, go to alternate And it's on there with a lot of other great shows. So I really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on the show. And, you know, have a wonderful day, evening, night, wherever you are. And, uh, yeah, I'll definitely keep in touch with you. Very cool, man. Take care. Yep. Yeah. Okay, guys, and that about does it for this episode of Ramblings of a Madman. This was episode 9. I hope you really enjoyed hearing me ramble on with the odd man out. I really love that he and I have the same um, sort of political opinions or and, and way of looking at the theater distraction that is U.S. politics. Um, he's a really interesting guy. He, he knows his shit. And I'm glad I had a chance to have him on here and, and expose him to to my audience and, and show him off and hopefully work with him in the future. Uh, bef- before I get on out of here, I want to remind everybody that uh, this is episode 9. Uh, next week will be episode 10. After episode 10, I'm going to take a week or two off just so I can you know gather all my ideas together and plan out you know the next ten episodes in advance, and um, try to get as much planned out in advance as I can, and just way I can have a this way I can have a better schedule for you guys, and and hopefully let you guys know what's coming in advance. Uh, so I'm hoping you guys are all enjoying this content. I have some other really good guests lined up. Some of them big, some of them small, some of them uh, not. Not really on the podcasting radar yet, but, but all of them have some great and, and wonderful ideas to share with you and to conversate about. And remember, that's what this is all about. It's about the freedom of ideas and the freedom of thought, the freedom of conversation and to keep the conversation going, because if we keep the conversation going, we can keep freedom going. As long as we're talking and, and we're sharing these ideas, then we're still alive. The movements are still alive. If they silence us, then they're, the movements are dead. So I want to rem- remind everybody to keep on keeping on. Remember that we are all gods out here